Um, so anyway, there's going to be this pronoun issue. Sometimes I'm going to say we, sometimes I'm going to say you. Know that even when I say you, I mean we, because I am a parent as well. Um, I am not a parenting expert. Um, I'm coming to you tonight for a couple of reasons. One is this is something I'm very passionate about. I'm passionate about um, talking to parents. I'm passionate about what it means to be a faithful parent. I am passionate about sharing what I have learned. Um, I have two boys, 22 and 19, um, so really adults at this point. So I'm not parenting like some of you are still parenting. So some of what I'm going to share tonight is what I've learned because of some mistakes, some successes and some mistakes. Some things I'm going to share is because I had 11 years in a classroom with kids, and I have 17, almost 17 and a half now years of ministry with kids. So, and, but the main thing is, I'm sharing some things with you that I feel like the Lord has shown me. Um, again, I have a 22 and a 19-year-old, and I became a single parent when my kids were 13 and 10. So there were some things that had to change in my parenting, some things that the Lord had to really grow me in, and those are the things, those are the main things that I want to share with you tonight, because I think that's when something really switched for me in how I parented and how I saw God's role in my parenting, and it not just being all about what I could do, but more about what he could do. So we're going to kind of jump right in. I think one of our greatest worries as a parent, I know it was for me, and as I talk to parents, is are our kids going to turn out okay? Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be the best whatever you want to put on the end of that? Are they going to be the best student when they're in school? Are they going to be a great athlete? Are they going to be a good person? Are they going to be successful when they grow up? Are they going to love Jesus? All of those things we worry about. Are they going to be okay? And so lots of times we look at how they are and we base it on how we're doing. And that's where this word good parent comes in. So using that term, get it out of your vocabulary. Do not ask yourself, am I a good mom? Am I a good dad? I don't want you to ask that that question of yourself ever again if you can help it. Because here's the thing. Jesus says in Scripture that no one is good except God. No one is good except God. It's that story where he's talking to the, the young, rich ruler. You remember that story? And the basic thing that he's telling him is apart from God, nothing you do is good. Your deeds are not, not what make you good. God is the only one who's good. So apart from God, we cannot say, am I a good mom, am I a good dad? So I want you to take that word out of your vocabulary. Good, the word good is so subjective for everything. Good TV shows, good pair of shoes. I have a lot of those. I can name them. I know some good ones. Good TV shows, good food. Some of you would say llama beans are good. I'd say they're disgusting. So it's subjective. And the same thing is good is true with parenting, you guys. Some of you would say a good parent serves her child only organic food, snack cakes. Not so good, right? Or vice versa. You should let your kids eat whatever. Don't be worried about it. Um, some people say good parents immunize. Some parents say good parents don't immunize. Vice versa. Again, it is so subjective. we got to take it out of our vocabulary. It lends us to start comparing, which is not healthy. So instead, the term I want us to use is faithful parenting. Again, for me, it was a word that the Lord gave to me. It was about the time 
when my marriage dissolved and I found myself parenting a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old boy by myself. Not an easy thing. And I feel like the Lord said to me, just be faithful. Be a faithful parent. That's all I'm asking you to do. Nowhere in my word does it tell you that you have to be a good mom. Not one place. Not one. So just be a faithful parent and let me take care of the rest. So as I've str- I struggled with that word and what does that really mean when I was raising my kids, and I feel like that God really showed me some things. So here's the first one. Our role versus God's role. Can you put that up there, Kim? Can you put that slide up there? There we go. Our role versus God's role. So here's, here's my thing on this, and I found this to be true for me, and I found this to be true as I've talk to other parents, I found this to be true as I've prayed through this, is that we, again, we put way too much stock in what we can do, and we give God way too little credit in what he can do in our kids' lives. Again, it's that if our kids are doing well, we must be doing well. If our kids are messing up, well, it's our fault. Here's the thing, you guys. Our children, just like us, have free will. If you've ever tried to get a three-year-old to put on his socks, You know that's true, right? And our kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to make good choices, and they're going to make bad choices. And the only thing, the only one who can change something in our children's hearts is the Lord. We can't. We can guide them, and I'm going to talk more about what does that look like. What what is my role? But we put way too much stock In what we do. And again, that's when we look at our children and go, man, I really messed up. I did. Like, I messed up because they're not doing so well. And I found this to be true for me and, again, from other people I've talked to and even friends of mine who, you know, we've kind of all raised our kids. They're grown-ups now. Is that especially our first child. So if you're a parent of an only child um, or if if you can look and you have different, you have more than one child, the oldest one. Sometimes we look at the oldest one and go, well, that's the picture of what kind of parent I am, how they turned out. It's not true. Because we can only do what God calls us to do, and then we have to allow God to work in their lives. So we have to balance. We have to balance. There's a balance, I feel like. One is we have to parent with confidence, knowing that God picked us. God did not pick Jeremy to raise my children. He picked me to raise my children. God didn't pick me to raise Jeremy's. He picked Jeremy to raise his. So in that sense, be confident that God chose you for a reason. Whether that's a biological child, an adopted child, a foster child, you are in that child's life because God put you there. So you can parent with confidence knowing there's something you gave me, God, that this child needs that nobody else on this planet has. But we have to balance that with humility. We are stewards of our children. We are not their Savior. If you don't leave here tonight with anything else, please, please get that in you. You are a steward of your child's heart, but you are not his or her Savior. We all have one Savior, and your child has that same one too. And so, therefore, the things that happen in your child's heart, that is up to God. You cooperate with him, but that is up to God. You do not take 
credit or responsibility. You don't take credit when, you're, when your kid does something amazing that's for the kingdom of God. Because you know what? You, you steward him, but you're not a savior. And you don't take blame when they mess up. Because you've got to leave that, that heart stuff to the Lord. The fruit comes from what he does in their life, not what you do. And I'm going to give you an example. And if anybody knows my son, you're not allowed to tell him I told this story because he would die. So my son, Matthew, he's my 19-year-old. Um, he's my easiest one to parent, by the way. Um, when he was in fifth grade, I began to see something I didn't like. He started blaming everything he did wrong on somebody else. Now, here's the thing I mean about my role versus God's role. God made it very clear to me that this was something that needed to be taken care of. Lots of times for parents, I get, um, what should I do about my child is lying all the time. My first response is, the Lord is making that clear in their life because he wants you to step into that. He wants you to get in the mess of that because he wants to do a heart work in your child. That didn't just start happening. There's some reason that your child has started this character thing. It's an issue or whatever you want to call it. And God's saying, let's step into this. So what became evident to me when my child was a fifth grader, my youngest, was he started blaming everything. Didn't have his homework. It was somebody else's fault. He was talking to bench in school. Somebody was talking to him. He didn't hustle on the soccer field. Well, you know, somebody else's fault. Everything. So I started asking the Lord, okay, like this obviously is something you want us to, me to, you want to deal with in him, so how can I cooperate with you? And so, you know, the Lord made it very clear. There have to be consequences. We're going to talk a lot. We're going to pray a lot. We're going to, we're going to go to his teachers and say, if you hear the word, he did it, she did it, this, I need to know. There were several things. And it was not easy. Again, at that point, I was parenting by myself. Okay, so fast, he was 10. Fast forward, he's 16. And I get a phone call from a mom who says, Hey, I just want you to know, my daughter was home last night. There was evidently a bunch of boys in her class that were together, and they were texting her. And some of it wasn't too respectful. Now, I will make this clear. None of it was sexual. I have to say that because Matthew would be dying if he thought y'all would thought it was something like that. But it was disrespectful. That's all. All I had to know was that my son had disrespected a girl. So I called him on the phone. I was actually at a car wash, a mission trip, fundraiser car wash. Should I call my son? And he answers, and I'm like, I'm at the Chick-fil-A on Dallas Highway. Get over here right now. Yes, ma'am. So he drives up, and I look at him, and he gets into it. So he looks at me like a 16-year-old boy. I'm like, tell me what happened. He said, Mom, I made a bad choice. So tell me what happened. And he said, well, you know, somebody started this text, and they're passing the phone around, and we're just texting, and it, it got out of hand. And I got caught up in the group mentality, but I made my own choice. Nobody made me do that. I said, all right, what are we going to do about it? I'm going to call her father, and I'm going to apologize for disrespecting his daughter. Of course, I'm thinking, man, I wouldn't have even told you to do that. <laughs> but okay, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. And he did. Now, here's the thing, you guys. That is not because I was a good parent. That is because the Lord worked in his heart when he was 10. And when he was 16, I saw the fruit of what the Lord did. 
He had every opportunity to say, well, there were ten of my friends there, and they all did it too, but that's not what he did. He said, I made that choice. I'm going to take responsibility for that. I'm going to make it right. Not what I did, you guys, what God did. All I did was cooperate, and God worked in his heart. He made a mistake, and they will. But the hope is the fruit of what God has done in their heart is what we're going to see on the other side of those mistakes. Okay, so next. Before they know God, they know us. Just click down and I'll have that. There we go. Before they know God, they know us. So it's our responsibility to show our kids who God is. It's not the church's. It's not anyone else's. It's ours. Our, it's our responsibility to show our kids who God is. We are the first example of love and safety and security in their life. And that's how they're going to begin to know who God is. We have to bring God to them so that they eventually will go to God. Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, we're not Jesus. But until they know Jesus, we have to show them who God is. It's that vertical relationship we have with the Lord comes out in us horizontally. And, the first, and those kids, that's, that's, that's how they're seeing it because they don't have it themselves yet. And so we have to show him who he is. This is big, big, huge responsibility, which is why we have to parent faithfully following his example, which is the next thing. Parenting like God parents us. One of the things I say about this a lot is, you know, God doesn't teach us everything all at once, thank goodness, because we'd all be a puddle, right? If God tried to fix everything that was happening in me and trying to fix, I would be a puddle all the time, and that's not how God is. And so, again, I think one of the best things we can do is to always ask the Lord, what are you doing in my child's heart now? Like, what are you trying to do, Lord? And sometimes, again, it's going to be very evident. That character thing I saw in Matthew, if you see your child is lying all the time or they're unkind to people or they, whatever it is, God's going to make it evident. And sometimes you just need to ask, like, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Here's some things I thought about, about God parenting us. What he gives. He gives these things. Love, security, safety, encouragement, identity, and worth. We want to give those things to our kids. We want to give them love. We want to give them security. We want to tell them their worth and their identity. But here's the thing. This is, this is the tricky part, and I feel like um, it's a little generational. My parents didn't do it. I think I was kind of borderline. I think it's getting worse. Is, is our kids being best at everything? They're not. God doesn't tell us we're best at everything, Right? And so we want to tell our kids who they are, but we also don't want to give them this false sense of, I'm the best thing that ever happened to this world. We are doing our kids a huge disservice, you guys, because they're not. You know, and again, this is that there's differences of opinion. I am not everybody get a trophy kind of person. I didn't get a trophy for everything. My brother didn't get a trophy for everything. One of my kids, one of my kids did. They got a trophy for everything. There was a switch somewhere between my two children. 
So we need to speak identity into them and their worth and and how wonderful they are and lovely they are and beautiful they are and all of those things. But we need to be careful. And that's when we ask the Lord, like, how much is too much? And he's going to make it clear to us. Here's what he expects. Obedience, trust, and fear, meaning a healthy reverence. If we're parenting like him, we're loving them, we're making them feel secure, we're telling them their worth, we've also got to expect from them the things that God expects from us. Obedience. Respect. Respect for authority. Those are things we can expect from our kids because guess what? That's what God expects. And if we're going to parent faithfully, we're going to parent how he parents us. He's the only perfect parent, so therefore we can learn a few things, right? What else he gives is correction and consequences. When we make mistakes, just like our kids do, what does God do? He doesn't just say, well, let me just pat you on the head. Maybe you'll do better next time. No. He wants us to learn from those things. He gives us consequences. He corrects us. Correcting our children, giving our children consequences, y'all, is not not loving them. It's actually loving them. Because that's how God parents us. What we do now really matters. Okay, so remember that channel I told you about? So we, we've got this relationship with the Lord, and we're showing them who God is, right? Well, that, that, that channel is two ways. It's not a one-way street. It doesn't just go from, you know, us with God and then out to them. It also comes back from them to us. And until they know God themselves, how they relate to us most likely will determine how they will relate to God one day. So if we're not expecting them to obey, guess what? The first time God tells them to do something, they're going to stomp their feet and say, I don't want to do that. That's not what we want for our kids. We don't expect our kids to have respect for authority. They're not going to let the Lord be authority in their life one day, you guys. When you, when all of us have stopped parenting and the, and the authority in their life should be the Lord and they haven't learned how to respect authority, they don't all of a sudden at 21 years old decide they're going to, they're going to do that now. It's not how it works. God starts us off little for a reason. And he grows us day by day for a reason. So that channel, again, it is most likely how we are going, how they're going to relate to the Lord later, how they relate to us. I'm going to give you another personal example. Again, don't tell my kid. Here's an example. Matthew again. Um, I was pretty strict, I would say. I think my kids would say I was a pretty strict mom. Obedience was big. You obey, and you obey the first time. Because y'all heard that term, slow obedience is no obedience. I use that every day in my house when my kids are little. Like, you, you know, you do. You obey when I ask you to. You don't wait around. I'm not going to beg you. You just do it. And so my son, when he was six, uh, 17, um, because of some divorce stuff and all that kind of stuff, I saw some things that I was like, we need to go to a counselor. You know, I really want you to go see this counselor. And he's like, I am not going. I am not going to talk about my feelings. That's just weird. I said, oh, you are going. 
And it's going to happen on next Wednesday at 5 o'clock, and I'll drive you there so you don't feel odd going in, but you are going. Oh, I'm not going. Oh, yes, you are going. So the next Wednesday comes. He comes home from school, and I said, 5 o'clock, we're getting in the car. I I told you I don't want to go. I said, well, you're going. Now, he's six. He's almost 6'4 now. At the time, he was 6'1". Now, do you think I could have forced him into that car? No. So, Wednesday comes, and he is not happy about it, but what does he do? He gets in the car, and we drive there. He slams the door when he gets out, and, you know, but he goes. And that went on every week for about six weeks. Now, what would have happened is when he was five, and I didn't make him obey me. Is he all of a sudden going to obey me when he's 17? No, he's not. And it's not just about him obeying me, you guys. It's about his relationship with the Lord. We're showing them who God is, and they, in turn, are looking back at us and going, that's who God is. God is this loving, secure, tells me who I am, accepts me for who I am, but they make me obey, and they teach me how to respect authority. How they relate to us will determine, I'm convinced, how they relate to the Lord. Huge responsibility, right? Faithful parenting. We want them to know God, and we want them to look like Jesus. So we can go to that next slide. Growing them like Jesus. So what does that look like, right? To me, the best example is this verse. I'm going to read you this verse. This is in, um, it's Luke 2.52. There it is. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Now, this verse was at the end of the scripture where, if you remember this story, where um, Jesus' parents, they had gone um, for the Passover, and they were there, and they left, and they lose him. Do you all remember this story? It's like, how could they lose him? But they, they did. And, you know, they was in the crowd, and they're all traveling together, and they realize down the road that he's not with them, and they go back, and he's in the temple, and he's actually teaching. But what's interesting to me is the verse right before this. I want you to listen to this. It's right before this. It says, right before it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is what it says in Luke 2, 51. Then he went, this is how after his parents have come back to get him. He went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Even Jesus had earthly parents who were teaching him who God was who were showing him about a relationship, what a relationship looked like with parents, what a relationship was going to look like with the father. And then it says, then he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So I want to kind of take us through some of those. What does it mean for our kids to grow in wisdom? That's more than them just being smart, right? That is about thinking and perspective, understanding, and we want them to grow in wisdom. And in Proverbs 9.10, it says it. This is the thing, you guys. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If we want our kids to grow to look like Jesus, and we say, oh, well, Jesus grew in wisdom. I want my kid to grow in wisdom. This is what it means. Fear of the Lord, reverence of the Lord, who he is, showing him, showing our kids who he is. The next one, stature. This is more than them just getting tall. That's not what this means. This word in Scripture is about spiritual maturity. 
That's what that stature is, spiritual maturity. We have to feed our kids. If we want our kids to grow physically, what do we do? We feed them, right? We don't just assume they're going to grow. And we feed them what they need. In in Hebrews and in um, um, feeding milk, and then when you're ready, you feed solid food, just like we do with our babies, right? When they're ready for solid food, we give them solid food. Well, that... That's what it is for us. This is what, if we want our kids to grow in stature, this, what this means, that maturity, spiritual maturity, is we have to feed our kids. We have to feed our kids God's word. In Deuteronomy, it gives us that command. That's what it's talking about. Teach them. It's talking about God's word. Them is God's word and commands to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Doesn't mean you have your Bible out 24-7. Reading them, Scripture. You definitely need to read in Scripture. But it also is about how you're living out what God has done and how you're living out God's command and how you're living out your life. Are you growing spiritually? That's feeding our kids too, you guys. Is are we feeding ourselves so that then we can feed our kids? We've got to give them those things. I love this one in Psalm 119. Um, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. There's commentary that says that when moms um, in like an Old Testament times were telling their, telling their kids scripture because they couldn't read it to them, telling it to them, that they would take honey and they would put it on their child's lip as they told them scripture. Why? So that their, their kids would connect the two, that this words that you're telling me, that this scripture you're telling me is sweet, that it is something I want. I want it. I want to taste it. I want to ex- experience it. And then that one, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We have to feed our kids, and we have to feed them solid food when they're ready for it. Okay, favor with God. This is about, I think this, there's two parts here. When I kind of was asking the Lord, okay, how, what is favor with God? I think there's two things. One is identity. Um, he names us. We're his favorite. So this is that. Remember I just I said, you, you know, telling your kids how awesome they are, we have to balance that. But I do think we need to tell our kids, like, how precious they are to the Lord. Um, I'm, st- I'm still kind of, right now, I'll be really transparent with you guys. I, right now, am in this place in my life where I'm really trying to understand what it means to be a daughter, to be a daughter to my Heavenly Father. I'm a servant. I've been a servant. What does it mean to be a daughter? We need to tell our kids who God says they are. They are his sons and his daughters. I use this term with the kids all the time. I tell them only the creator names the creation. Only God gets to say who you are. I think we need to tell our kids that. Only God gets to name you. God gets to say who you are. Even I as your parent don't need to say who you are because I didn't create you. I'm your steward. I'm a steward of your heart. So we need to tell them that. That's that Second Corinthians. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So I think that's the first thing with favor with God, is telling our kids they do have favor because they're his son. They're his daughter. The second part of that is then acknowledging, pleasing, and worshiping him. That's how we continue to grow in favor with God. We're acknowledging him in our life. We're worshiping him. We're doing things that please him. Our kids need to know what that looks like. 
I think one of the things, one of the great things we can do, obviously, is growing in our own spiritual walk so that our kids can see that. But I think it's too acknowledging how God is working in our lives. Kids are, here's the thing I've learned, y'all, being in a classroom and doing ministry. Kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for most of the time, almost all the time. And sometimes we're afraid, well, I'm going to tell them too much. I don't think you can tell them too much. Because in my, this is how my classroom was, this is how I teach in Pathfinders, if you've ever been in there, is I give them as much as I can give them, and I trust the Lord to make stick what's ready to stick. Like Velcro. And the things that aren't ready to stick, it's like Teflon. It goes off, but you know what? It didn't hurt them. didn't hurt them. So I think when you, you know, dads, you come home, and maybe your company's going through a rough time. You know there's going to be some layoffs in your company, and you are stirred up about it. And you, when you can tell your family, like, this is happening in my heart, and I'm asking the Lord, where are you in this? Y'all, that is big. Because when a kid is struggling, where is God in a situation? And they know that this dad or this mom that they look up to, they have also asked those questions. They're going to be okay asking those questions. You pray together. I have to do the baby dedication class. I said, you can never talk about God too early. Ever. I always say, I wish someone had told me when my kids were six months old the things that I learned when they were six years old. Because I would have started sooner on some things. You can't talk about him too much. And if you make it such a part, you acknowledge him in all that's happening in your life, and you, you're calling out to him, and you let your kids know you're calling out to him, it is a natural conversation all the time. So when your kid has that hard thing that they're going through, or they're having a hard issue, or they're making a mistake, you're not preaching to them when you say, what does God say about this? Because you've talked about it all the time. You've talked about him You've acknowledged him all of their lives. The last verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Okay, last one on that is favor with man. What does that look like? I think this is two parts too. One is I think it's living at peace with others. Peace is it depends on us. Here's a great analogy that kids understand. Stand still and say, chase me. They can't chase you if you're standing still, right? That's peace as it depends on me. I can't, I'm not going to engage in a battle. Kids get that. I say, you know, when I taught kindergarten, kids would come up to me and they would say, so-and-so's chasing me. And I'd say, stand still. And they're like, what? I said, stand still. And they would stand still and they're like, oh, can't chase me anymore. Yeah. Peace is it depends on us. I think that gives us favor with man. We, can't, we cannot control other people's actions. We can't. We can't. But how our kids grow in favor with man is them understanding that they can't. But what they're, they're, they can be peaceful, and they, their reaction to other people's actions will give them favor with man. Also, the responsibility as a Christ follower. Once they know the Lord, they have a responsibility. You know, it's always, it's that, you know, it says in Scripture, we, we're responsible for what we know. That's what we're responsible for. Until we know it, we're not responsible for it. But once we know it, we're responsible. And so this verse, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself in, with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness, and patience. That's how our kids are going to grow in favor with man. That's what that means. So again, we want our kids to know God, and we want them to grow to look like Jesus. And these are the things that says how Jesus grew. So I think those are the things we want for our kids. Okay, so now what? So now we've got all this. We're going to be a faithful parent. Now what am I going to do? So I think this is my last, this is my last thing. We're going to put our kids on the altar every day. You, can, you guys know the story of Abraham and Isaac. When Abraham is, is asked, told by God to take Isaac, he's going to be the sacrifice. And I remember the first time, you know, like when I was younger, I heard that story. And I was like, oh, that was kind of rough. But as a parent, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't even imagine if God asked me to do that, and we know that in the Scripture, it's a picture of what God's going to do. He's going to give up his only son. But I, this was something for me. When God gave me that word, be a faith penny, you don't have to be a good mom, be a faithful mom. This is what he showed me. Is that my responsibility is to bring my kids to him, on, is to lay them on the altar, to lay them at the foot of the cross every single day. Without fail. Lay them down. Take my hands off and say, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you know what is best for them. I trust that you love them more than I do. Which as parents seems, we can't even imagine it, right? But he does. To trust him that he is going to give them and us as their parents, what we need. In that story, Abraham didn't have to sacrifice Isaac because there was a ram. God said, stop. And he, he, God's like, I got this for you over here. I believe when we truly lay our kids at the altar and at the foot of the cross and we say, God, they're yours. They're, I am their steward, not their savior. They are yours. He's going to say, yep, and I'm going to give them everything they need in my time, in my way. And all I'm asking you to do is not to pick them back up until I'm done with them, which is really hard. But that is being a faithful parent, giving them back to him. He loves them more than we do, and he'll give them what they need. And this is the verse in Hebrews. I think I had it up there. Yes, I love this. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. He was going to do it. But by faith, guys, that's faithful parenting. By faith, we're going to give our kids over to him. I read this quote. Um, I'm doing a Bible study, and I read this quote, and I love this. It says, God is purposeful. God is as purposeful in what he doesn't reveal in his word as in what he does. Okay, I'm going to read it again. God is as purposeful in what he doesn't reveal in his word as what he does. And to me, that struck me for this particular topic because I thought, you know, we all see those how-to books, how-to parent, how-to. What if God's word was just, we just opened the, we opened a book, opened a page, and there was a list of 25 things, and we're like, oh, all I have to do is do these 25 things, check them off, and my kids are good. Not. Why did he not do that? Because then we wouldn't have to rely on him. We wouldn't have to rely. That would go back to that. It's all on me. It's my responsibility, and it's all on me. And we would give God no room to work in our kids' hearts. 
God's word is our source of wisdom. It is where we look and we say, this is the character of God, and these are the things that you're calling me to, but it is not a how-to book because he wants us to rely on him. So here's my challenge to you guys. Is I want you to start asking the Lord, what are you doing in my kids? Right now, today, when they're two, when they're five, when they're 13, whatever the age. And how can I cooperate with you in that, Lord? Not what can I do. You're asking him what he's doing. How can I cooperate with that? And I want to read you that verse one more time from Hebrews. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for how you love us, how you parent us, how you lovingly correct us, how you lovingly speak into our lives. Lord, and that's what we want to do for our kids until they know you for themselves. Lord, you've given us this responsibility to be stewards of their hearts. Lord, help us to kind of to give away whatever we're hanging on to that makes us think we're our children's savior. We're not. You are. So, Lord, we know that it is a huge responsibility that you have given us. But, Lord, you gave it to us because you trusted us. So, Lord, help us to parent with confidence and also with humility. Lord God, Lord God, reveal yourself in our kids and show us how to cooperate with you. In your son's name, amen. All right, and you guys are going to have um, some questions to talk about. So a couple of things I want you to hear from me before y'all um, break, uh, before you go back into your, um, into your groups uh, Kim's got a couple slides. I'm going to run through them real quick. Just some things that I've seen. Some of this is a bit negative, but I hope it winds up not feeling that way. First, this is a big one. Child idolatry is real. Children are no higher than number three on your list. You know that. They are. They're third at best. Jesus is always one. Your spouse is always two. You can put your kids three or you can put them lower. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> But you can't, you can't put them one or two. Best thing you can do for your kids is love Jesus. The second best thing you can do for your kids is to love your spouse more than you love them. You made a lifelong covenant to your spouse. You did not make a lifelong covenant with your children. It's different. Huh? <laughs> you have them until they're 18, 22. They live till they're 79 or 80. You got 20% of their life. You're going to be, so you get that. So be careful. It's tough where we, where we live, very hard, very hard. Uh, there's tons of reasons why people worship their kids. It doesn't matter. Just don't do it. Um, and we fall into it uh, easily, and especially when your kids are young and they require so much time and so much energy. Or, you know, if you're like Jeremy and you choose to have four and eight years, that's, it's a lot. And so y'all, you've got to make a point. Jesus, spouse, then kids, and your schedule will tell the tale. 
And uh, they're not yours, you know that. Penny talked about that some. You're stewards, you're not an owner. One of the best things I can think about for you, ask God, what race do you have my, what, what's the race for my kids? That's what we do, Hebrews. We all have a race. We want to spur one another on to love and good deeds, and that includes your children. And so, God, what's the race you've got for them? And how do I spill it? And honestly, they need to die. Your dreams for them need to die so that you can hear what God's dreams for them uh, will be. Let's see the next. This, your definition of success will determine how your parent, nobody sets out to fail at anything. I don't know anybody who says, I want to be a failure. And so y'all have to decide, those of you who are married, if you're a single parent, it's up to you. If you're married, you and your spouse, how are we defining success? Penny talked about being a faithful parent. So what does that actually mean practically for your children? What, how are you, what are you saying that's going to look like? What, what are you wanting when they're, whatever that is, is it just getting through high school without being pregnant? What's the goal for you? Is it for them to make, be valedictorian? In your mind, whatever's there, you're going to lead towards that. So bring it out and make it explicit. If it stays buried in your heart, you're going to move in that direction anyway. So bring it out so you can discuss it with your spouse and you can ask the Lord uh, what he thinks about that. Uh, for me, that's just mine. I'm always just thinking about what type of heart our kids have. Is it hard? Is it shallow? Is it crowded? Is it good? If the soil in their heart's good, the Bible's very clear, then his word will produce an exponential harvest. That's all I can ask for. So when I'm thinking about success for me as a dad, it's, is there good soil? That's, that's it for me. Uh, focus on a few things. Penny talked about that. What is God doing in, in your kids? You can't do everything at once. Pick a few things for us. A big deal. If you have more than one, um, fair is not a kingdom value. It's not. And our, all of, if you ask any of our kids what we think about fair, they may wish it's a value in our house. It's not. We don't do fair. Bought my daughter a MacBook. I didn't buy one for my son. He talks, but it, we, I didn't. We don't do fair uh, in our house. We don't intentionally punish any. You know, we don't. We're not trying to find, push anybody down. Bulls that we have four. You will wear yourself out trying to do fair. Birthday parties, spend the nights, and all of those kinds of things. And nobody that I know of graduates in a diaper. They figure most of it out. And so you can. They learn how to walk. They learn how to tie their shoes. They learn how, like, uh, they, they get it. They may not get it first, but nobody remembers. So a lot of that stuff you can relax on. Just ask the Lord, what does it look like for us to be successful as a parent? Last thing. There are only two explicit parenting commands that I know of in the New Testament, and they're both negatives. They're things not to do. That's my paraphrase at the top, and then that's what the Bible actually says underneath it. Don't rile them up. Don't exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Penny focused a lot on what it is to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. But don't exasperate them. So think about what do you do that riles your kids up and stop doing that. Like there's no reason for that. So what do you do? I'm a, y'all know Myers-Briggs? Anybody know that language? I'm a P. That means I like to leave things open-ended. Two of my kids are J's. That means they want, they want a plan and they want to know. It riles them up when I wait till the last minute to decide what we're going to do. There's no reason for it. Like that's, that's needless heartache and frustration for them. That's me riling them up. And I know that, so I don't need to do that. Does that make sense? So think in your own life. What about your personality even 
may rile up your kids. Penny talked about as much as it depends on you, live at peace with others. That includes as much as it depends on you, live at peace with your children. Just because you're the adult, or maybe that doesn't give you, don't stir the pot is maybe the easiest way to say that. And then don't crush them. Don't the idea behind that, what I thought, thought was pretty interesting, is don't like don't bait them. When if you if you challenge some, if I challenge Jeremy and he accepts the challenge, that makes it one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. Don't do that in your parenting. Don't make it adversarial like that. That's what that word embitter means. It means to set somebody up to accept a challenge. I was talking to a mom the other day. She has a young daughter. She's, I think her daughter's about 18 months old and as stubborn as the day is long. And this mom said, I've got to show her who's boss. And I just said, why? Like, is that really, is that really a question? Your daughter can't even walk. You don't have to. It's obvious who's the boss in your house. You have to prove it to her. There's no reason to, to, to do that. There are times where absolutely you've got to set limits and consequences and discipline and all of those things. But that's different from setting up an I win, you lose dynamic. Because you're going to win every time. And all that does is cause your kids to lose heart. They're not going to beat you, especially when they're young. They're not going to win, ever. And so why set up a situation where your kids are constantly losing? That doesn't do anything for them long term. Just like it doesn't do anything for you if you're in a relationship with somebody and you're constantly losing. That doesn't draw you to them. doesn't cause you to open your heart to them. You don't need to flex your muscles as a parent. Think about, I haven't thought this all the way through, so you can think it through for me. So when Jesus talks about leadership, he talks about service, and he doesn't qualify who we serve. And so what does that look like, even with your children, to take that posture and say, to lead is to serve, is to wash feet. What does that look like to wash the feet even of your children? And that goes against so much of what we think about even when we think about being a parent. Absolutely, you are the, the adult in the room. You're the adult in the house. You have responsibilities. All of those things are 100% true. And at the same time, Jesus says, this is how you lead. You lead by serving, and there's no asterisk that says except with your kids. And I, I haven't thought through all of the implications or what that looks like. Uh, you can decide if you think that applies to parenting or not. But for me, one place that it does for sure is not to set up I win, you lose uh, situations. Again, I, just, I don't see where the benefit is in that long term for your kids or for you. So a couple of things I want you thinking about. I want you to take seven minutes. I think you have seven minutes. Yeah, take seven or eight minutes. Three things I want you walking away with. If your spouse is here, I want you all to decide what does it mean for us to be a faithful parent. So that's, you don't have to discuss that as a table. You too discuss that. What does faithfulness look like? And be honest, don't give Sunday school because it's not helpful. If, if honestly for you, you're like, this kid, he should, be, he's a, he should be the starting quarterback. I want him to be that. Say that. So then it's at least on the table. And you all can discuss whether that's truly what it is for us to be a faithful parent. Because you're going to move in that direction whether you say that explicitly or not. Second thing, what, is it, what do you do that riles up your kids? Don't say what your spouse does to rile up your kids. You can do that outside of this room, but not in here. What do you do that riles your kids up? 
And then the last thing is I want you to think about, do you unintentionally or intentionally set up I win, you lose confrontations with your child? And if so, why do you do that? Like you may have been raised in the school that said the first thing you do, I was talking to somebody today, first thing you do is break your child. You break horses. You don't break kids, in my opinion. And so that may be where you come from. And so that might be why you set those things. I don't know, but I'd encourage you to think that through as well.